I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're listening to the Doctor Who podcast. Christmas preview there with our Goblin song. Uh, I think Jonathan Swift would be proud. Welcome, listeners, to the Doctor Who podcast. This is episode. Wait, we're a, we're an alpha episode, aren't we? So are we three sixty four A this time? Am I getting that correct, Ian? We're the A team. We are the A team. <laughs> Shut up! Fool. I love it when a podcast comes together. <laughs> well, I've gotten sidetracked already. Hey, let's talk about the giggle. But uh, but first, uh, just want to say that I, I'm I'm Drew, and I am joined by Brett and Ian. We 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 found that uh, Drew was a, a reasonable counterpoint to my lack of sophistication last week. So we've doubled down and got two Americans this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to be very sophisticated this evening. So, what did we think? I loved it. It was fantastic. I thought from beginning to end. Uh, it was really fast paced. Neil Patrick Harris was incredible as a toy maker, even creepy at times. Stooky Bill and his family, super creepy. Not sure how, how I feel about the bi generation. I guess we can talk about that later, but it was cool to see. It was a good idea. Seeing Mel again was really awesome. And, and really, uh, I, I like the way they mentioned uh, Cybalon Glitz was 100 years 101 years old <laughs> and she's like you know what i'm i'm going home and and now she's doing what she was uh introduced as doing as a, a computer programmer so now she's doing that so that's great wild blue yonder is still my favorite but this is this was a good one too all three were really well done ian what did you think about this one i um i'm still a bit undecided about this one um I did have a very long day when I watched it and I was perhaps a little bit too tired when I watched it quite late in the evening. I haven't had a chance to watch it again yet. I loved lots of the individual bits. Uh, I, I thought Neil Patrick Harris was great. Yeah, the Stooky family, super creepy. Lots of nice little touches. I struggled a bit to have it all come together as a cohesive story. Uh, so I, I found it a little bit of a roller coaster and, and fun but as an actual piece, I don't know. I don't, it didn't quite click for me. And, and some of the elements I found a bit not not where I was expecting it to go. You know, the, the toy maker famously plays games with, with people and we got cutting a deck of cards and playing catch, which was below where I was expecting the toy maker to, to, to have gone. And, and indeed, the, the doctor electing to do a cut of the deck 
with someone who famously cheats and has just shuffled that deck in a very complex way seemed like he was asking for it. I don't know. I mean, this is nitpicky type stuff. But yeah, I, I, I found it was, for me, certainly at the moment on one watching, less than the, the, the sort of the sum of its parts, if you see what I mean. Not only do I see what you mean, I kind of agree with you. Now, don't get me wrong. I really like this episode quite a bit. Of the three, I liked it the least of all of them. But uh, I think I agree 100% in that there were great moments that really didn't feel like a cohesive story. Like the Stooky Bill part, super creepy and really interesting, but it I didn't under, really understand what it had to do with uh, much of anything else. And then Unit is there, but... It almost felt like they were doing a Marvel thing where they're introducing Unit as part of a spinoff, inclusion with Mel. I think my biggest sticking points, thinking back on the episode, really involve um, the regeneration sequences. But we can talk about that in just a moment. Let's kind of go through it blow by blow. So how do we feel about the any, – any other thoughts about the toy maker itself? Because this is – this story, at least the first act and second act of this, is very much about the toy maker. I think we're, are we all in agreement that Neil Patrick Harris did a good job, even if you didn't like certain aspects of it. Uh, specifically, I want to, I guess, discuss Neil Patrick Harris and the fluctuating accent. He was great, and I, I yeah, I enjoyed him and I enjoyed what he was doing. And I know they they put on the accent quite deliberately as a a call out to some of the questions around the original toy maker. One of the things that I actually loved in the trailer was when the Doctor's walking around in the chaos and you just see the toy maker spinning around in the background. And I actually loved the concept of he's out there in the middle of all this chaos. And I hope they were going to play with it more, actually. He would be turning up in the back, backdrop of scenes and, and sort of breadcrumbing. But he came straight to the front and then we, we dived straight into it. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I liked what he did and I liked the performance wasn't what I was expecting from the toy maker, but it was very enjoyable. Yeah, the uh, the accents didn't bother me. Uh, in fact, it was it was funny a couple of times when he went to the American accent uh, to tell the doctor he was wrong. I did like the little flashback that we got to Hartnell. I didn't expect that at all, and uh, and it was in color too, so it may have been colorized by the same people. That was uh that was cool. The games you talked about the games. Uh, I guess that was kind of extended into his own universe because you had the long hallways with all the doors, and that was kind of a game uh, and a trap. It was hide-and-seek, right? Uh, yeah. In a sense, though, not one that you could actually win. It didn't count to his best out of three. No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, No. Yeah. none of the games count, I guess, or, uh, or if the episode is a is a game in which itself. The oh, conceit I that causes for the bi-regeneration in that the rules of the game is you have to play each individual game as a different doctor, I thought was brilliant. I really did like that. But I did like the dance scene too. That was that was funny. Right. And I think I think, you know, I may have had some resonance going into it about Neil Patrick Harris joining it, but I think he was really quite good. Mm. Um so okay, so that's the toy maker. Uh the plot um up until so the toy maker is essentially turning the world into Twitter. How do you think that works as a, a overall bad guy plot? Do you feel that feel like it worked for you? It, it's a very modern thing to do, and RTD does like to riff off of, you know, present day themes. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, if there's a problem there. It's that it wasn't nearly awful enough to be the reality of X. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. No. It. It. Yeah. Everyone is like right. Everyone wins, everyone loses. 
one of the things, again, it seems like a really good idea until you start thinking about it. And then it's just kind of like, eh, again, story cohesion. Um, how do we feel about seeing unit again in their headquarters with their set, with their strange alien? Uh, I don't know what the Vlinks actually does for them, I guess, is sort of a computer personnel uh, interface. Um but what did you think about like that set seeing Kate again and so forth? I loved all of that. Loved all of that. Um, basically, they have their own Avengers headquarters now, and they and it it had the impression just had the impression to me like they had this huge room with like you know ten people in it or something. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like that. I like how they get mail there now. Donna has a job apparently, and uh, I guess Tegan and Ace are somewhere around. They're like recruiting all of the Doctor's past companions, apparently, which is smart. No, it, it makes perfect sense, and apparently it pays very well. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it looked great. I loved the way that the Doctor lampshaded your father. You worked so hard to keep it all secret, and now look at it, which I thought was yeah. a very nice way of doing that. I thought Mel and indeed the weird robot alien, whatever it was in the corner, were both a bit incongruous because there was no particular reason for them to be there. They didn't particularly do anything. And I did get the feeling of, oh, this is the set for the new series, and this is us being introduced. It's, it's like the um, the Torchwood base in Cardiff as well. I said, okay, we're going to be seeing a lot of this without the Doctor, I imagine, in the not-distant future, because I think Mel and the weird thing in the corner both make a lot more sense as series regulars than they did in this show, where, I mean, Mel in particular just sort of turned up was part of the scenery there was no reason for her to be there she didn't particularly do anything it's nice to see her but there was no you know as a cameo with no particular purpose within this story which makes me think there's something something bigger going on yeah agreed it, it did feel like they were marveling it a little bit where they were introducing the next spin-off in this one which it's fine you know it it was just a mildly distracting but i agree it, it kind of felt like even though i was very pleasantly surprised to see mel again uh, it's one of those things where now it gives me something to look forward to, I, I suppose. Maybe we can mention the reappearance of uh, Shirley. Shirley, you can't be serious. <laughs> I am serious. and Don't call me Shirley. I cannot believe they made that joke on Doctor Who. It's kind of brilliant. Oh, sorry. I should probably ask, how was your audio levels with this third episode? I had a hard time, actually. I, I, that's, I think one of the reasons why I struggled a bit with the story is that there was a fair bit of the dialogue that I didn't catch going past. And I do need to re-listen to it with a pair of headphones on to because to, someone someone I, I know was referencing some dialogue then I thought I don't remember hearing that so I, I was definitely missing stuff and that's perhaps one of the reasons it didn't quite uh, gel for me I had captions on the, the entire time so uh, I, I didn't really have a problem with that which is something new for us over here usually we get the regular version first and then we get the caption version later uh, but now we have it day and date as you do with the correct well Mostly correct uh, captions. <laughs> are, are you referring to the ones where it refers to David Tennant as the Tenth Doctor? Oh, I missed that. Uh, someone, uh, I know that someone was saying that uh, it wasn't on Disney Plus, but it some one of the closed captioning referred to towards the end as Tenth Doctor says this and New Doctor says this. Do you feel that this is a successful conclusion to the 60th anniversary? It's not at the same scale as 10 years ago with the 50th, but then the 60th is not at the same scale as the 50th as an anniversary. I mean, I remember the, the 30th anniversary wasn't on the same scale as the 20th. So, you know, you know, not all of these things have to be massive, 
but yeah, no, I I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was good. I mean, for all I didn't, this one didn't quite click for me. The, the, the trilogy overall, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, best who I've seen in years. So, you know, it, it, it you know they say an even bad who is better than most TV that was out there, and I, I did enjoy this. And yeah, I, I think it, it had the air about it. Just having Tennant and Catherine Tate back was enough all by itself. Most of the time, I didn't think of it as being the 60th anniversary, but as as far as a trilogy, I thought it it uh, contained itself pretty well. Uh, that all three linked together, even though the middle one was kind of standalone. It did link a bit at the beginning and the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if you think about this, particularly the giggle as a checklist for a, uh, an anniversary special, uh, multi-doctor story, check, unit, check, old enemy, check, old companion, check, regeneration-ish, check. You know, it's got pretty much everything that we've come to expect in one form or another. But, uh, you know, RTD really got to show a big swing with quite a bit and do some things that we hadn't seen before, which I think is really important and Overall, I feel like it bodes really well for the future of the program. So I am quite excited about that. Could you pull? Could I? What? And you? What do you mean? Pull. Pull. Just pull each way. I don't know. Feels different this time. Ow! essentially the elephant in the room. So let's go ahead and start talking about the regeneration. Uh, we got a regeneration sequence two-thirds of the way through an episode in which both doctors got to interact with one another uh, and complete the story, something that has never been done before, uh, which means that David Tennant's doctor now has a fourth iteration, has regenerated <laughs> four times on this program. They can't get rid of him. So let's let's really just focus on Shudi Gatwa to begin with. What did you think of our first outing with our new and next doctor? I thought he was great. Um, my wife was watching this with me. She immediately piped in and said, well, if he's going to be running around in his underwear all the time, maybe I'll start watching the show again. So, uh, <laughs> oh, you're on for Christmas then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so she was, she was pleased. Um, I thought he was the doctor right from the start. Uh, he just clicked right away. There was and there was none of this um, regeneration confusion or whatever from him. He just popped right out. Okay, and I, I had a bit of a problem with the the tenant side of it, but I enjoyed it. I thought he was great. I enjoyed his performance. Again, I was struggling to hear his dialogue, and I do need to go back and listen to it again. But no, straight away he just owned the role and very high energy, very fun. 
and that's where I think you know I now understand the the the, the reason for the fourteenth Doctor and the explanation of, and I think there's, there's a meta reason outside of the one within the show of oh we've got the flux and we've got the gods of Ragnarok God help us, um, <laughs> you know and all this baggage that the Doctor's been dragging but I think actually. I mean, I've been saying for a little while that I thought that RTD was going to do something akin to the Time War that was the you know universal reset at the beginning of the new era and that there was going to be an, another form of universal reset to just say, look, we're going to draw a line and now we've got a clean slate to go where we want to go. And that's exactly what this was. We take all of that heavy, portentous, you know, canon and all that stuff and all the sort of sad, lonely doctor and say, you know what, in a box, enough having tea and scones with Donna, and fun and off we bounce into fun and you know what i'm all up for that and that's that's exactly what shooty did from the moment he popped out and yeah uh, i'm really looking forward to seeing more of that yeah it really does feel like rtd has put the the revival era of doctor who to bed with this and really does feel like we are stepping into something brand new and why not um, end it with something that both you know something old something new kind of a kind of a feel to it mm-hmm. um I absolutely felt that Shooty was the doctor right from the go. I specifically did not watch anything that he had been a part of uh, prior to this. I wanted my first appearance with the doctor to be my first experience with Shooty Gatwa. And I'm thrilled. I'm really excited. So, Brent, you did say that you weren't particularly thrilled with something that was happening on Tenet's side of that. What what was that? Well, as far as the bi generation, I thought it was uh, that's something I've always wanted. Not the bi generation, but. To have a doctor regenerate in the middle of a story and see two doctors, mm-hmm. um, I never thought about it being at the same time. But it was it was cool to see it happen um, w- when he first started to regenerate, and then it stopped. And I said, "Psych!" <laughs> like it's, he's not going to do it. What's happening? And then you know, pull pull on my arms, and then pull apart. That oh, was can, very. Can different. I just jump in there for the yeah. pulling apart? Because I think this is crazy that they did this. The doctor who was sad that they weren't a ginger had two redheads on either side for the regeneration. <laughs> that's clever. Come on, that's clever, RTD. I never noticed. But but the uh, the part I'm a little not not irritated, but just a little concerned about. And now that Tenet is a separate doctor, I guess is he going to be able to regenerate? Are we going to have two sets of doctors running around? You know, is he just going to die when he dies, or? I don't know. That was that was a little weird. I think the, the impression was that he he's the he's the doctor retiring and taking all his right. baggage with him, and is just going to live happily ever after mm-hmm. with Donna and T and protecting moles. And, and RTD said something in Unleashed that essentially said that does that mean it? Well, of course he's going to pop up at some point. You know, just like you know the 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 other. I, I lose track of how many versions of Tenant we've got now. You, you, you've got to start putting numbers on their heads so we can work out who we're talking <laughs> about. Um, and um, and one of them came back, and I, I can't remember exactly when. So I'm sure, I'm absolutely certain he'll pop up again because you can't keep Tenant down. But no, I, I don't think we're going to see a series of Tenant, and I don't think we're going to see him as a regular on the new show. Uh, maybe this doctor is the curator, Tom Baker, in the in the library. Yeah, maybe. I mean, not the library. Yeah, the, the gallery. 
And the no. Valyard and the Watcher and everything else we can put on it. Yeah, yeah. Anything else we can shove Go in. Go for it. We'll make him the Ronnie also. Oh, you jumped. <laughs> you beat me to it. You beat me to it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know it's definitely thinking that this is going to explain the Watcher and the Curator uh, as far as headcanon until it doesn't and someone changes it in a year or two from now. Let me ask you this. Um does the by regeneration put a damper on either a uh, putting tenets run to bed or b shooty's introduction? Do they complement each other or did they steal each other's thunder? They definitely stole each other's trousers, but like aside from that, <laughs> it it could have gone badly. I mean, I'm reminded. I mean, Brent, you said we've never done this before. We kind of did in the TV movie where you had the first 15 minutes being Sylvester mm, yeah, before Paul right. McGann came along. Famously, most people look back and say that was a mistake when you were trying to introduce it to a new audience and trying to you know reboot the show. Killing off your main actor 15 minutes in just confused everybody and it didn't work. So and I've always kept that in mind through a lot of, particularly right now with the introduction to Disney Plus and that, do we really want to be doing some of these canon-heavy things? But I think it really, really worked. I think it totally worked. I don't think either of them... I mean, they, they immediately started tag-teaming, literally tag-teaming the, the, the toy maker and running around and, and, you know, working with each other. So, no, I, I didn't... And I didn't think either of them were stealing the spotlight from the other. No, I, th- I, th- I thought it completely worked. Did the game of catch as a way to defeat the the toy maker work for either of you? I, Ian, you've sort of already hinted at that, but because we have two doctors acting in unison... Uh, how did you feel that went? As a thing on TV, it was fun to watch and it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. As a plot resolution for the toy maker, I thought, really? It's not exactly the Trilogic game, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was fine. They had to do something. And and they had to do, uh, I would think, something that's going to go off the top of a high tower. Uh, what better than a small ball to throw back and forth, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, this is it, this is nothing if not uh, playing with our expectations. The ball is the first game ever being invented. Stoner Age of Man. He picked up a rock. He said, "Oh, das ist ein ball." He pulled it and he killed a man. He said, "Oh, what fun!" And now everybody loves the ball. Until they hear five billion. Then the very last human picks up the skull of his enemy and said, That is the final ball of all. Yeah. Enough. Ah. I wondered which one of you had the balls. So, yeah, the, the Tenet's doctor now has, there are two TARDISes out there. Uh, Tenet has retired, but is still actively using the TARDIS. I don't know about the two of you. I partially kind of wish Tenet didn't get a TARDIS. Uh, yeah. I'm less interested and concerned about the regeneration aspect of it, but more like two TARDISes out there seems like it's just asking for trouble. I know a lot of people are are really you know, pumping the air for, uh, for a, a spinoff with Tenet and Donna running around. Is that something you would want to see? I wouldn't think a series, unless it was a short series, like a mm-hmm. five or six episode series once every few years, maybe. 
because I, I see Tenet doing more things because he's all over the place now. It really is, yeah. I, I don't think he would get tied down with that again. But as far as having a TARDIS, I mean, we've seen other doctors with other TARDIS and other um, time streams running around. So, I mean, I guess yeah. it's not really that different. But, yeah, I, I don't see him staying around at Donna's house more than a month <laughs> and he's gone again. Right. I tell you what, let's get the kooky theories in early. Kooky theory. Of the week. He's going to wait. He's going to be the one who waits. And then he'll turn into the Valiard and be the big bad. <laughs> Do we want to uh, <laughs> maybe guess at who uh, the one who waits might be? Uh, is is it something returning? Or is it... Uh... He'll be the villain from Jessica Jones season one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard um, Drew Walco posted on our, our Facebook page. One of the few things that I've actually gotten a chance to kind of look at people's responses to it. Um, and he said that he thinks it might be Fenris. And I was like, I really do like that idea. Um, it would certainly be interesting to see. I'm still trying to work out whether whether I like how the regeneration was handled. And the I still can't decide if I like it or not. Um, I'm very excited about Shooty, but I, I almost feel like it did steal the thunder, but that's for another conversation. Probably one we're going to have um, in in a later episode. Uh, well, now we know that the Isaac Newton scene was totally superfluous, completely superfluous. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that shoe's never going to drop. Yeah, we thought Mavity was going to show up, but apparently, <gasps> you're right. I completely forgot about Mavity. I was so I was so distracted by the return of Trinity Wells that I I forgot about Mavity. All right, then I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, is Mel the first redhead in the TARDIS? There's an answer hmm. to this. Hmm. Well, we I guess we have to imagine or look at old photos for the 60s episodes. So before Mel, we had Turlo. Oh, yeah. And before Turlo, we had Liz Shaw. Hmm. Yeah, okay. No? <laughs> reddish, reddish brown, I guess. Strawberry blonde? All yeah. Right. But definitely Turlo was the first. Definitely it would have been so cool if we had had uh, a, some reference to that. But anyway, so that's neither here nor there. I just, <laughs> they said it and I was like, that's not true. And and was Liz even in the TARDIS? <gasps> do we even count her as a companion? Let's spend oh, the next 30 minutes oh, having oh. that <laughs> argument. Because she's an assistant, right? That doesn't count. All right, fine. Final question. How many teeth does a toy maker have? Oh, uh-oh. Oh, well, one less now because the master's free. <laughs> <laughs> How do we feel about the master living in a gold tooth? Which master's going to be and who's picking up that uh, that tooth? And the master got burned alive in Yumismatan gas. The master turned into a snake for a while. The master turned into a cat for a while. And the master's done all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff and always comes back. It, it's perfectly in keeping. You know, you know. Oh no! I, no, I, I agree. I love it. I really hope there's a reference to the the master going, uh, going. I was in a tooth. I don't know what you're complaining about. I was a tooth for an entire episode. Maybe he'll end up in the face of that guy from Jody's uh, series. Yeah, <laughs> oh no, Tim Shaw! <laughs> Definitely was not expecting a Tim Shaw reference uh, oh, wow. in this one. Wow. Well, I, I don't think we can we can beat that. Why 
don't one of you take us out because I don't remember a, a, a thing uh, as far as the uh, how to get in touch with us is concerned. Well, you can see us on X. Uh, we are also, we have uh, our email accounts, we have our Facebook group, we have our Facebook page, we have our website. There's lots of ways to get hold of us. So we've got quite a bit coming up in the next few weeks. So we will be doing, I think, a general series wrap-up around the, the, the three specials we've had. And we I think we're going to try and squeeze that one in before Christmas. So listeners, if you want to have your... Uh, views in there because we'll be reading out some of your feedback and discussing it please do come along to one of the uh, the ways you can get in touch with us even X you can come to us on X and talk to us there lots of people do then we might do a preview of the Christmas special I'm not sure there's enough of this year left for us to squeeze that in but we might but we'll definitely be reviewing the Christmas special I think on Christmas day I think I think I'm signed up to abandon my family on the day to do a hot take <laughs> on it um, and beyond that we have our famous uh, globally famous predictions episode to come up at the end of the year where can I just say I did make the prediction that um, Shuti would talk to Tennant and I was right so I think I've already got a point in there although I can already hear James trying to nitpick me out a bit Um, (laughs) uh, and then we will in the new year be doing the DWP quiz it's been quite a while but we are going back we are going to do the DWP quiz so lots and lots to listen to over the next month. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to that quiz. And the only thing left is to say, bye for now. Indeed, and we will see you soon. See you next time. That was the Doctor Who Podcast with your hosts, Drew, Brent, and Ian. You can find us at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for listening and take care. Just come down from the Isle of Sky. I'm nowhere big and I'm awful shy. And the lassies shout when I go by. Donald, where's your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low. Through the streets and my kid's go. All the lassies say, hello. Donald, where's your trousers? Alas, he took me to a ball and it was slippery in the hall And I was feared that I would fall for I had me on my trousers Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets in my kit I'll go All the lassies say, hello, Donald, where's your trousers? Now I went down to London town And I had some fun in the underground the ladies turned their heads around, saying, Donald, where are your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low, through the streets in my kit i go. All the lassies say hello, Donald, where's your trousers? To wear the kilt is my delight, it is not wrong, I know it's right. The islanders would get a fright if they saw me in the trousers. The wind blow high, let the wind blow low, through the streets in my kit i go. All the lassies say hello. Where's your trousers? The lassies want me, everyone will let them catch me if they can. You can't take the bricks off a hill and mud, but I don't wear the trousers. Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low through the streets and my kit I'll go. All the lassies say, hello, Donald, where's your trousers?
Quirsi Arthrusas, Donald Quirsi Arthrusas. Well, that's the way we sing the song in Scotland. But of course, the song might have more international appeal, sung something like this. One, two, three, four. Well, just come down from the Isle of Scotland, over making them all for shy. The last you showed when I go by. Just a minute, what are you doing there? Man, I'm rocking it, man. Man, I'm really moving it, man. Well, just you stop rocking it and moving it, man. The song should be sung just exactly like this. I've just come down from the Isle of Skye. I'm going to make in the mop and the last is shout. When I go by, Donald, where's your throws? I just let the wind blow high, let the wind blow 